welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 196. Engaging with Anti-Hunters with Blake Alma. And I am your host and the guy who is headed to his old hunting campsite this weekend for what should be the last time ever. More about that in a second, but right now we are 232 days, 14 hours, 48 minutes, and 31 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So this weekend, I am headed to the old hunting camp site because there is no camp there anymore. But I'm headed to the old site with my dad and one of the other members in the club, Rocco. And we've got a little cleaning up to do down there. And there's one building left there on the campsite. It's a storage building that we've got to move. So we'll be doing that Saturday. And one of my least favorite things to do ever, playing in the beach traffic that rolls through Alabama on I-65 every single Saturday of the summer. And if you've been through that traffic, you know it can and most Every single Saturday is brutal, brutal. So I'm looking forward to going and playing in that traffic Saturday, but it will be a good time. I'll be with my dad and one of our hunting buddies, so we'll be sure to have fun and probably be a good bit of work as well. Hey, I want to read an email to you guys that I got today that Really made me laugh out loud. The email came from Matt Bazzuto. And Matt, from one Italian to another, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. If I did not, please do not tell the Godfather. Matt's email says, Andy, my kids asked me to replay the episode where you mimic the sounds of the interruptions you experienced while deer hunting. If I remember, there were guys yelling at a logging site, a four-wheeler riding on a nearby street, etc., I can't figure out which episode it was. Need help. Thanks. So Matt, from one kid to your kids, I can't let them down. It's episode 59. Episode number 59 is the one that you're looking for. And I believe it's the one about turkey hunting websites. When I got your email, it reminded me of that hunt and how frustrated I was. 
that afternoon, but I couldn't help but laugh about it because I had zero control over what was going on around me. But thanks for your email that brought back a funny memory. I appreciate that. I hope your kids enjoy that episode again. And now let's get on with this week's episode. So this week I have on the show with me Blake Alma, who is an outdoor writer. He is the host of a radio show about the outdoors. He's also the host of a TV show about the outdoors called The Outdoor Experience. And in his outdoor writings, he has written several books as well as several articles for magazines and blogs. And Blake has done all of this before the ripe old age of 18. So Blake is 17 years old and has quite a few accomplishments underneath his belt. Blake reached out to me about coming on the show, and so we discussed some different topics. And and he said, you know, there's a topic that I'm very passionate about, and that is engaging with anti-hunters. So this episode is not so much geared towards turkey hunting as it is towards hunting in general. But I feel like it's information that we can all use because when we post something on social media, we can oftentimes get comments from anti-hunters or vegans and it's nice to know how to respond to those and Blake has some experience with that so without further ado here is Blake Alma and I will catch you guys on the other side hey everybody I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today Blake Alma who is a writer and the host of a hunting show on TV that is relatively new and we're going to learn a little bit about the show. Blake, how long have you had your show? May of uh, 2017, so a little yeah. over a year old. Yeah, pretty new. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was pretty new. So let's jump on into this and get to know you a little bit better and a little bit more of what you have going on. So tell me, how are you and where are you? Yeah, for sure. First off, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to our chat here. So yeah, I'm doing great, man. Not too bad for, you know, whatever day it is. And so I feel pretty good. Uh, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, the great state of Ohio, of which we have big bucks, but that's about all we got going here as far as outdoors go. Uh, here in Cincinnati, it's pretty non-outdoorsy, so fun environment to be in, especially when you're like a 17-year-old that's really into the outdoors. And Cincinnati, local, the my city of Cincinnati seems to be really interested in it. I was just on, I was just on the Cincinnati Enquirer. Uh, when was it Sunday? I was on a, a local park newspaper just today. I was on WCPO, which is a local ABC network, on Monday. It's so uh, you know, it seems that the the city is fascinated with the outdoors, but yet there are no, there's not many people who are into the outdoors. So Cincinnati's a fun environment, but if you want to be an outdoorsman, this is not the place to be at. <laughs> so. Then that begs the question, how did you get into the outdoors and hunting in particular? Yeah, definitely. So a long story short, I talk about this in my upcoming book, but I was 12 and a half years old. I was at my, I was at a teen camp. It was my very first teen camp. It was on the border of Ohio and Indiana. It was in Indiana. I'll actually be going to that exact camp tonight because my siblings are there. And so, because they have, they have a parent night and they want me to come. And so anyway, that's tonight. But at this teen camp I was at, 
I went, there was this guy who noticed I was getting, you know, bullied by the other guys. That's what happens when you're 12 and a half years old. You get dunked in the pool and whatnot. You know, it's just how things go, you know. And this guy happened to notice that. And he's like, Blake, you know what happened? You don't, uh, you don't enjoy boys' swim time. You know, you want to go down the creek and try fishing? I'm like, yeah, I've gone fishing once or twice. When am I going fishing again? And because of that one outdoor experience, it literally changed my life. And I uh, fell in love with the great outdoors. And, of course, I started off with fishing, but that led into survival and bushcraft skills, which led into hunting. And the spiritual reconfiguration that you get when you go out in the outdoors and harvest an animal and, and, and eat the fruit of your labor, it's quite amazing. And so that's the abridged version of how I got in the outdoors and just started off as a guy taking me outdoors. Some kid that didn't have outdoorsy parents took me outside, and it literally changed my life, and I, I built a career out of it. That is awesome. And so... You said your siblings are at the same camp, but have you gotten your siblings involved in the outdoors or are you, have you gotten your parents involved in the outdoors now? Yeah, so excellent question. So my siblings have don't like anything outdoors. They have this fear of mosquitoes and sweat and heat, you know, and uh, my youngest brother, he seems to be slightly fascinated with the outdoors, but he's about five or six years old and my parents won't let me do much with him. Uh, with, you know, going on a boat because I don't want to drown, which is understandable, or, you know, using a gun makes sense. And then nobody else, my my, my siblings, as far as outdoors go, they don't have much interest in it. Now, they, they don't mind going fishing with me for like 30 minutes, and then they're like, okay, we're done and catch anything. However, my dad, he's always like fishing because he grew up in rural Michigan up north, actually Grayling, Michigan, which is where Fred Bear's from. He grew up there, and so he's had this country outdoor connection He's had his entire life, and he was into it a little bit, but now, you know, it wasn't like a, a real hobby of his. He would go fishing every once in a while. But ever since I got into fishing, he's gone fishing a lot more. And so we actually went down to Orlando in April. I don't know where we fished at. I can't remember the name of the lake. It was one of the Lake Kissimmee uh, Lake Train, or I cannot remember what was the name of the lake. Hmm. It was one of the, the – the, it was a lake chain – of lake something something down there in Orlando. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so we or went one down of those other lakes yeah, in there. One yeah. of those big awesome lakes that we definitely don't have here in Ohio. And so uh, that was in April. We flew down there. We're only down there for two days, and we caught some fish. I caught like nine bass. He caught one. So in fact, there's a picture of me and him on social media, and he was holding one of my bass, acting like it was his because I felt bad. So we took a picture of him uh, of me holding two. I had like a seven pound bass in one hand and about five pound bass in the other. My dad had about three and a half pound one in his hand, but that was my bass. So anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, he he's gotten uh, a little bit into fishing, and he's really busy because he runs a firework business and whatnot. And so during the summer, because Fourth of July, and he's real busy, and so he doesn't fish as much as he likes to. If he had the opportunity and the time to do so he'd fish a whole lot more but also one of the downs one of the negative things about cincinnati is that fishing here is not all that great it's not bad but it's not like it's not like florida or michigan from where my dad grew up or my mom grew up in florida so it's not anything like fishing in those great states and so my dad's kind of avoided fishing here in ohio but when we go down to florida man he'll he'll fish 20 hours on a on a family week vacation and so um yeah. you know it's it's it is what it is, but overall my family is now into the outdoors. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So, you and I were talking, oh I don't know, three four days ago, and trying to come up with the topic of what we were going to talk about on today's show. And I asked you if you turkey hunt and how long you've been turkey hunting at the time, and you told me that you're new to the sport of turkey hunting, mm-hmm. but that you actually took another hunter 
out this past spring to guide for him and that that hunter harvested a turkey. So did. do you mind sharing that story with us very quickly? So the listeners yeah. to this show who are new to the sport of turkey hunting may have some hope that their time is coming. Absolutely. I went turkey hunting for the first time. Uh, 2017 was my first time. I went twice and I didn't have any success. I actually heard my first gobble though. So that was quite the experience, but no, I didn't, I didn't harvest anything. So the year flies by the next year comes around and I became pretty affiliated with a with a special needs hunting group called Nevin's Hunting Friends. They actually have a TV show on Gen 7 Outdoors. I gave them that TV show, gave them my airtime on Gen 7. And so, I mean, I got pretty close with some of the guys that work there and whatnot. So they invited me to go up to Pennsylvania. I'm from Cincinnati, so they up north of Pittsburgh and uh, go turkey hunting with them. Uh, not me turkey hunt, but help a, a child out on a turkey hunt. So we did that, went up there. I took Nevin, uh, the if you will, the founder of Nevin's Hunting Friends, he came up with the idea when he was eight years old and his dad kind of executed on it. And so now it's uh, become quite the thing. But I took him uh, turkey hunting. There was another guy as well who who uh, was a lot more well with it when it came to turkey hunting. But I, I knew a thing too. I got to play with, the, you know, I got to play with the turkey call and that was fun. And so I actually started falling asleep because it was eight in the morning. We woke up at four. I actually stayed the entire night. Long story short, we stayed up the entire white night and we got a little crazy we actually shot we successfully killed a mouse with a nerf gun so i mean <laughs> it was quite, it was quite the experience and so uh, that was pretty cool but anyway so we get out four we we get all set up in the blind around 5 30 right before the sun comes out and uh, we're just chilling there i start falling asleep well boom i hear this turkey gobble and then i like woke up immediately i'm like oh yeah and we started la- he, the kids started laughing I'm like be quiet be quiet He's right there. And so he comes out, and then bam, we smoked him. And he had a, I don't know, I don't know, four or five-inch beard and two-centimeter spurs and whatnot. It was definitely a very nice turkey. It wasn't the biggest turkey of the day uh, uh, of the hunting trip, but uh, it was quite the experience. And so uh, even though it was his first turkey, it was, you know, my first time really getting to experience, the you know, the great turkey experience hunting trip. And so it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. That's awesome that you helped someone get their first turkey, and that's just an amazing feeling and an amazing experience anyway. But then it was also your first experience with getting a turkey to come in. And so I I know that had to be just exhilarating on all fronts for you guiding that Um, young man. It was amazing. (laughs) I dove into how to articulate. It was just when I saw it happen, because it was my first time seeing it in person, now I've seen it on outdoor TV for years now, and so to actually see the experience take place, you know, it's really something else. And it wasn't even my harvest to watch a kid who was younger than me and had a, a, has a disability be able to do something that I've never done was really yeah. cool to see. And so it was, it was truly awesome. Yeah. And that is that is too cool. Well, that's a great story. I appreciate you sharing that with us. No problem. So let's talk a little bit about your book. So you're 17 years old, and I checked you out, of course, before asking you to come on the show, And because I have to stalk the guests that are coming on the show so I can learn a little bit more about them. And you've written quite a few books, and you've also written quite a few articles. So tell us a little bit about some of the books that you've written, where we can find them, and a few of the titles and topics as well. Yeah, most definitely. So I have, let me think, I think I have four books currently available on Amazon. 
after that first fishing experience, uh, I've always liked writing, and there's never been a day in my life that I have. I mean, when I was a, when I was seven years old, I wrote this little picture book my, for my grandpa, and he bought it for me for like five bucks. And so, you know, after that, I knew it was my thing to write and do books and stuff. So I wrote all these, you know, these fun story books and whatnot. And when I was nineteen years old, I never did anything with them. I still have them, but I never, you know, published them. Obviously, I was nine years old. I mean, it's not like a work of art or anything. But that led into me becoming, you know, an outdoor writer. And so when I was, it was just a few months after that first fishing experience, man, did I soak in everything outdoors like, like nothing out, like a sponge. Everything I saw about the outdoors, I just learned about it and I read about it and YouTube and articles and magazines and TV, you know, I just absolutely was enamored with it. Well, for whatever reason, I thought since I knew so much about the outdoors after only a few months of getting into the outdoors, I decided to write, you know, a book, a little book. It was about 60 pages and it was, you know, just about, you know, just basic outdoor activities. In fact, I look back at it now, I laugh at it because that's how horrible a book it was. But a year and a half later, after writing that book, I got it published. Don't know how I did it, but I somehow did. And, you know, I sold whopping 10 copies, you know, and it didn't really go anywhere. But I wrote that book. Now, that book's not available anymore. Took it off because it's that bad of a book. Just saying. <laughs> a 12-year-old, you know, <laughs> it's not the best, best work of art I've done today. But that's gone now. But because of that, that led me to writing, you know, a blog. I, I started a blog. Uh, it was called The Art of the Outdoors, but now called The Conservative Sportsman. But I wrote a blog, which led to freelance writing. And free, freelance writing led to me getting a radio show. And I started writing books and whatnot, publishing them. So I have four books today. I have one called Harvesting Nature's Bait Shop, which is my oldest currently still published book. It's about me catch how to catch, you know, your own fishing bait. And it actually has a lot of good detail, tons of pictures Worked. I was probably 15. I think I was 15 when I wrote that book. Actually, 14. I was 14. And that was real. That was the hardest. I spent the most time on that book because it was me doing the effects and learning how to do stuff like that. So love that book. Dear Fisherman, it's definitely a book you want to read. If you want to save money on fishing bait, Harvesting yeah. Nature's Bait Shop, you go to Amazon, type in the name Blake Alma. You'll definitely find it there. I have one called The Godly Outdoorsman's Devotionals, which is just a series of devotionals that I and some friends wrote about, you know, how the outdoors brings you closer to God. Third book, what's the third one? More than just a rat trap. It's real, I'm really big into trapping. I tell you how to use a rat trap for more than killing just rat, how they killed squirrels and rabbits and chipmunks and even birds in the nuisance, in the nuisance situation. And so I talk about that in that book. And then my fourth book and my, my most recent book, it's called The Hunter's War, Vegans vs. Hunters. I wrote that about a year and a half ago, so it's the my most well-written book today. I talk about how to respond to anti-hunters and vegans who troll your page and call you all these horrible names and whatnot. And so how to respond to that situation and how to disprove veganism, if you will. And so um, I talk about that in my upcoming book. So right now, I actually just finished it. I'm writing a book called An Outdoorsman's Heart. It's a book about how I've seen the outdoors, about my life story, how I came to who I am now. How I became, you know, this kid that was being bullied at a summer camp to becoming, you know, a 17 year old TV host. I tell that story, been a chapter on that. But after that, I get into, you know, outdoor, political, conservative issues. Talk about, you know, how the outdoors has some issues. Uh, there's not a lot. The outdoor industry is, quite frankly, one of the most perfect industries, in my opinion. We have this brotherhood that we're like high fives and, you know, we all are all in the same part together trying to pass the outdoors to the next generation. So that's awesome. But yeah, we still have some issues that need to be resolved, like crossbows and compounds and baiting deer and not baiting deer and food plots and not food plots and stuff like that. I talk about that. I talk about conservative issues, if you will, social issues. Don't want to get too political here because I know this is not the time, the place to do so. But I talk about uh, most outdoors, 98 
98 plus percent of outdoorsmen hold to conservative values. So I talk about some of those from, uh, you know, talk about Donald Trump, I have six pages of Donald Trump's accomplishments, you know, yeah, despite, you know, some of the things I may disagree with him. I talk about, you know, abortion and, you know, gun rights, which is what everybody wants to hear about these days. I talk about all these different topics in that book. I have a, I mean, this chapter called The Outdoorsman's Conservatism. And then I talk about my next chapter is about vegans and anti-hunters, how to respond to that. So I know I've already written a book, and so I went ahead and talked about it a lot more, and I've gotten better in writing. So I really hope I articulated that well enough. And then I think this is the most exciting part of the book that everybody wants to wants to read. Alan Phil Robertson, the stars of Duck Dynasty, the patriarch Phil Phil Robertson, the oldest son Al, uh, they wrote the foreword to the book. And so they put in two, their two cents about uh, the outdoors and their outdoorsman's heart. And so it's really exciting. It comes out August 1st, which is a week from today uh, at the time of this recording. And so definitely looking forward to that. It'll be on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's on pre-order now. And so I'm pretty excited to see where that goes. Yeah. Very cool, man. You know, to write one book is a big deal because there's a lot that goes into that. Writing several books is a really big deal. Writing several books before you're 17 years old is a tremendous accomplishment. And so I'm sure everyone listening to this show can appreciate that and your work ethic, because it does take a lot of time and energy and concentration to go through that process and get a book put together and to get it published as well. And so Congratulations on all of that, and I wish you a lot of luck in what is, I am sure, to be a long career in the outdoors industry for you as a writer and host and whatever you want to do. I know the sky's the limit when somebody has the determination that you have, so hats appreciate off to that, you. Man. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. appreciate it. Yeah. It's fun stuff. There's nothing I'd rather be doing. Absolutely. I completely understand. So you've mentioned this a couple of times, and I wanted to... Let it be our topic for today's show because you came from an environment to where you weren't really an outdoorsman. I don't think that you or your family had an opinion one way or the other about the outdoors. You just were not an outdoorsman. And I think that is the way that the majority of Americans are today. Not everyone's a hunter. Not everyone's an outdoorsman. Not everyone's an anti or a vegan or you know, whatever the other beliefs that they may have that may be opposite of what most of us outdoorsmen have. So there's this huge group of the people in the in the center between those two groups, and you fell into that growing up. But now that you've gotten into the hunting industry and you've written some books and, well, I say hunting, also the outdoors industry because you, you're writing about trapping as well and, you know, a, a lot of different outdoor adventures. And so now that you've gotten into that, you've had some experience in dealing with the people who are on the far end of the spectrum from where most everyone listening to this show is, and that is the anti-hunters. And so with you having that experience and you being a young man that is probably much more technologically savvy than most of us listening to this show. I thought, you know, this would be a good opportunity for us to talk about how we can handle some of those antis on social media because social media, everyone knows this, I'm stating the obvious, it is, well, I've been I've been saying this for a while and I still believe it even though it may be a bit extreme to say it, but 
I think social media may be the death of this country in the respect that it gives almost everyone a voice and not everyone needs to have a voice. And that works on both sides of the fence, left, right, hunter, non-hunter. Not everyone needs to be able to talk and have everyone else in the world have the ability to hear them. So there's a lot of anonymity on social media. And I think that an anonymity gives the users of social media a lot of brevity to be able to say things that they would not say to another human being's face. And that is a real problem. And so I want to talk about some of that. We're going to talk about how to engage with anti-hunters. And so as far as I'm concerned, on social media, I just don't engage them at all. And I know you have a different attitude about that, and and that's great, and I applaud you for that. I don't engage them because they're really not worth my time. I half agree with you with that because I would say, actually probably more than half, I would say a good 70% of the uh, anti-hunting, vegan, or even liberal people who troll my page 70% of their comments are just so invalid that it's not even worth saying anything. Like, I delete and block, you know, uh, because some of these comments are just kind of dumb. You know, like, they'll say something like, go die, you, you know, you blank, blank, you blank, you know, I'm just like, oh, okay, I'll just delete. Now, sometimes when they blaspheme God, they insult my family, or they um, say something that's so unbelievably stupid I keep it on there or debate with them because when something's so, so stupid, I want other hunters to see that and realize, hey, listen up. This is the party that is opposing to us. And this is their logic. We don't really have to worry about too much. So I mm-hmm. keep those on there. I don't delete them or reply to those because they're that dumb. Now, then there's ones that like insult God or like blaspheme God or use the Bible incorrectly saying, you know, oh, God's pro vegan and blah, 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 which he's not. And so. I'll correct them biblically and be like, okay, well, here's what the Bible says, all right? And you took that Bible verse out of context. Well, if you read the rest of it, it's talking about this situation here. And so I try to correct them civilly as possible. Now, if one, if somebody else comments and says something very respectfully and says, hey, listen up, you know, I'm a vegan, you know, and you're a hunter, and I don't necessarily understand why you can kill animals, do you mind – Explain to me why you do so. And they're very, you know, civil about it. They're not calling me names or anything. I will reply. Now, the second they call me this or that, their opinion goes right out the window because they're acting like a four-year-old, you know. Yeah. And so when they do that, I'm just like, nope, not even bothering. No, I mean, just like Trump said the other day, CNN's fake news, not even going to reply, not even going to bother messing with you guys. Same thing with vegans. Half the things they say are completely fake and false. Don't even bother replying. And they're just, you know, trying to insult you or trying to get attention on themselves by saying something so stupid, you know. And so, yeah, I half agree with you there because there's a point where some things are so like they're just so cruel that there's really no way to reply to them. And you can you can reply to them with logic and and being civil back. And the only thing they'll say back is F you or something, you know. And it's just like, okay, well, you know, I don't know why you'd say that, you know, I mean, why? What was the purpose of that? You know, I proved you wrong and yet you're being arrogant and now you're insulting me. So there's no point in trying to do that because I actually think it makes that makes their party more mad at you, you know. But if they're trying to be civil or it's a point where like they are literally wishing you death threats or blaspheming God, there's a point where you need to, to, to step in and figure out what you need to do in the situation, whether that's reporting to Facebook for, you know, wishing a death 
uh, wish on you, which I, I get those on occasion. Or, you know, if they're they're harassing you in your faith, you know, there's a point where you do need to step in and say, okay, well, you're wrong and here's why, you yeah. know. And so I think if we ignore every comment, um, I think or, or every, you know, every incident where a vegan or something on the news that you see, something happens regarding hunters and vegans. If we ignore every single one of those, that just gives them more confidence and then to push in. And then all the people who are in between, you have 10% anti-hunters and vegans and you have 10% hunters and the 80%. And then the vegans are, are explaining their point and the hunters just ignore it. That 80% is going to lean more to the vegan side because we're not explaining why. Even though we have the logic and the biblical and scientific grounds, if we don't explain those, they ignore everything, that 80% is going to be leaning to the vegan side because they may have a point or two. They may have a point about health, you know. In the 21st century, it is probably healthier to be vegan than to go to the store and buy these hormone-filled meats. Now, if you're a hunter and eat only the fruit of your labor, I would have to say uh, you're being healthier as a hunter. And so they may have a point or two, and they they might pull out, oh, well, before the fall of man, we were vegan. Yes, that is true. And before the fall of man, it was probably just a few hours before mankind fell. You know, And right after that, we became vegetarian because Adam slew a, um, a lamb to sacrifice it to God. And so vegans were only in existence a few days because back then we didn't need to be meat eaters. We didn't need to go out and work for our own food. And then after the great flood, God said, listen up, this earth became a whole lot harder to live in. I created cannons and mountains and the, earth, the continents are divided because I destroyed the earth with a flood. This earth is going to be a whole lot harder to live in. So here's, here's animals. Here's protein for you to eat so you can build up muscle and go out. And live your life and work and do everything that you need to do to survive. So here's meat, and that's why God gave us meat. And so, you know, they may have a point or two, but when you start getting down to it and you like listen to what they have to say, like, oh, no, that's not right. And here's why here's a biblical reason, here's a scientific reason, and here's take a look at history. You know, you're wrong. And so most vegans are atheists. You're fine. They're, they're anti-God. Mm-hmm. And so you can use atheism to disprove veganism because their logic is the fact that we came from animals and so we shouldn't eat our ancestors. Well, where did animals come from? Plants. And what are they eating plants? And so it's just like, whoa, whoa. So I can't eat my ancestor, but you can eat your great ancestor, according <laughs> to the, the logical a theory of evolution because nothing came from nothing and now we're here for absolutely nothing it makes perfect sense but um anyway so you could just use simple plain logic common sense to disprove veganism or or, or anti-hunting anti-hunting is even worse because they're eating a cheeseburger while they're typing on their computer or on their phone saying that you're a horrible person you know and they're being even more hypocritical and so there is a point where you as a hunter need to step in and say okay here's why we're a hunter all right, all right, because it's amazing, it's fun, but outside of that, it's me getting physical exercise. Number two, it's me building memories with my family. It's absolutely amazing. Three, there's a spiritual reconfiguration I get when I go out there and harvest the fruit of my labor and eat that which I killed. There's this great gratitude and this thankfulness that I have to God for when he provided this animal to be meat for me. And then you think about the conservation, the scientific reasons why hunting is so great for the for the for the environment. Then that's what really, really disproves veganism. And so once you explain those elements, veganism has no power. And so every hunter needs to know why you're a hunter, and how you can stand up and fight against those who oppose. I'm gonna go down this route real quick. I have a really, really close friend who he was just in town. He actually left early because. 
uh, his faith, his his biblical faith and my faith are are, are different. I, I I'll say this: I'm Baptist. I'm not Baptist because because of this or that. I'm Baptist because I believe what the Bible says, and it happens to be that my Baptist church happens to believe every word the Bible says. That's why I'm a Baptist. If Catholics believe what the Bible says, I'd be a Catholic. So I don't care what denomination you are. However, my friend, I'm not going to mention his name. He's a Mormon, and Mormons believe in the Book of Mormon. Well, I we had a very simple conversation. I explained to him, "Hey, listen up." Book of Mormonism believe that the Bible and the Book of Mormon are absolutely true, the perfect word of God. Well, I used the Bible to explain to him, look, like the Book of Mormon isn't true because here's what the Bible says. You know, the Bible says there will be no more prophecies. If anybody adds on to my word, you'll be in great judgment and whatnot. All right. Uh, I went to great detail. Well, he denied it even though he had nothing to stand on to prove his case. Even though I told him why I'm a Christian and why I believe in the Bible, he couldn't tell me why he was a Mormon. A Mormon, Just like these vegans. They'll be able – they'll try to stand up and say something like, okay, here's where we get our proof from, all right? And then we'll say the same thing but and disproving their proof, if you will, making it not really proof, and yet they will not change their mind because they have become arrogant and vain in their imaginations as it says in Romans 1. And so um talks about veganism in the sense in Romans 1. So anyway, you have to know why you believe and teach why you believe in order to keep the hunting heritage alive because there's not many 17-year-olds or 16, 15-year-olds that really like the outdoors and want to make a difference. And so you have to be able to articulate why you like the outdoors so that you can pass it on to your children and then they can pass it on to their children. Right. So I'm understanding you correctly to say then that you're engaging. So that is all that I've got for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of this week's episode, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. And in order to become a subscriber to the premium content, the first step is to send a text message to the number 44222. If you will send a text message to that number that says Turkey Hunter, make it one word. Do not put a space between Turkey and Hunter. Text the word Turkey Hunter to the number 44222, and then I will send you instructions on what you need to do to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Now, becoming a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast is very inexpensive. The cost is $18 for a year, so basically a buck and a half a month, and that gets you the premium content for this week's episode, the premium content for all of our past episodes, and the premium content for the next 52 weeks as well. So if you haven't already done so and you want to do so, go ahead and text the word Turkey Hunter to the number 44222 and become a subscriber. So listen, whether you agree or disagree with Blake Alma's religious or political views doesn't matter. I think that everyone that listen to the show can easily hear and appreciate his passion for those topics and especially his passion for the outdoors. Now, if you do like what you heard from Blake, then I encourage you to go check out his website and his Facebook pages and reach out to him and let him know that you heard him on this show. Now, I have one favor to ask you before I let you go for the week, and that is, will you please share this show with some hunting buddies? 
via text message using the share feature inside your podcast player application. Will you? Will you please? It's a great way to spread the word about the show. It's a big help to promote the show, and it is much appreciated by me. And with that, I have to say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.